You're listening to episode 88 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about how to overcome self-doubt and that sneaky imposter syndrome. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, humans, how's it? I just had the most amazing camping the past couple of weeks. Super fun getting out there and just loving the simplified life, right? I'm going to be leading a retreat here in Hawaii in March for the current Adventure Mastermind and another one in April for the next Adventure Mastermind. Get on that list, adventuremastermind.com. So it's been a blast exploring new areas to check out with my peeps. There's so many hidden gems. It's awesome. This planet is amazing. So anyway, I noticed that while I was camping, I was reflecting a lot on my life when I grew up in the hood with so little. And when I lived out of my car for seven years as a climbing guide and how my life was so simple. And I made hardly anything, bought hardly anything. And yet I was really content. And while I was content, I admit that while I had confidence in many areas like guiding and my dreams and purpose and my power as this wild woman living in the mountains, I had a lot of doubt if I had what it took to create a different kind of abundance. I knew I was good at academics. I knew I was good at guiding. But what if, let's just say what if I could figure out how to earn enough money to have more than just enough. My mama had taught me a mindset that I'd always have enough if I used my money for the right thing. So I actually was good on the enough aspect, it seemed. I never went like hungry, but I wanted, it felt like I needed more than just enough. I wanted to be able to relax a little bit, to be able to pay for emergencies if they happen, to take my mom and dad on well-earned vacations, live debt-free, hook up friends with abundant cheese and wine when they came to visit, own land. I mean, we didn't own anything ever. We always rented. We got moved from place to place. I longed to own something somewhere that no one could make me leave. So after getting cancer twice, I think of this life coaching thing, right? I want people to be able to live a life of no regrets without having to get a cancer diagnosis. And ideally not twice. (laughs) Not that many people were coaching back then. And two people I really respected from my guiding world were starting to do it. And it sounded like a great fit. And, you know, I was a confident woman. I thought, I can do this. And I did. I started to earn money, started to get busy, started to gain traction, be interviewed on podcasts before there were so many podcasts. And then something I hadn't felt in a while showed up. Doubt. Self-doubt. Here I was, growing financially, successful, finally. And doubt crept in. I started to tell myself, oh, this is all a fluke. It'll end soon. Or one day someone's going to figure out I'm not that smart. They'll realize all these degrees I have were somehow just from luck. 
One of the most common misconceptions about successful people is that once they get to where they want to be, the work is over and they don't ever doubt themselves again. Like when we doubt ourselves, that must be based on some kind of fact because truly successful people, truly smart people, truly skilled or talented people don't feel self-doubt. They don't feel imposter syndrome. The reality is the opposite. Successful people actually have to deal with even higher amounts of this sort of imposter syndrome, right? That being this concept of, oh, I'm actually just faking it and everybody's going to find out I'm not what I seem, right? But successful people, while they still have this imposter syndrome, they're just better at managing it. And this is why you've heard the saying, you know, discomfort's the price of your dreams. Or as Dr. Susan David says, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. Because shit doesn't just stop being uncomfortable or hard when you achieve success, when you meet your goal. Yet, a lot of people fail ahead of time and quit because they feel this doubt and choose to believe that it's based in some kind of truth. You know, from what I've seen with my colleagues and my clients, that's what really separates people who succeed at their goals and dreams from those that choose to give up. The willingness to be uncomfortable and learn to manage it, to learn to suffer and not let it get in the way of you taking effective action, to not give up. Like I said, I'm no stranger to self-doubt and imposter syndrome, right? People may say, well, Anna, how are you so confident? And look, one can feel confidence and still have self-doubt creep in. But when we learn to manage our self-doubt, the confidence can be the predominant feeling. Yet we look at like Beyonce. My kid is way into Beyonce, as am I. And she is constantly listening to her music and asking about her. So she's top of mind for me right now. So we look at someone like Beyonce and we think, fuck, she is so fierce and so talented and so brilliant and so hot. She can't be plagued with imposter syndrome. I mean, millions of people pay to see her amazingness right? I mean, how do you get on stage like she did during homecoming at Coachella and even have a hint of imposter syndrome when there's all this proof that you are all that, right? Watch the documentary though. She does. Look, whenever we evolve, whenever we level up our lives, we're going to experience self-doubt. It's part of the deal. It's not a sign that anything has gone wrong. The secret is it's actually a sign that we're in exactly the right spot. But this discomfort is why a lot of people don't pursue evolving either. Don't pursue a goal, a next level, like push their goal to the next level. It's not the cozy thing to do. But a lot of people don't want to stretch or expand their comfort zone. So we don't put ourselves out there. Instead, we try and hide or we settle. I've got so many examples of this in my own life. Like even with this podcast, I thought about doing it in 2018 and I put it off for two years because of imposter syndrome. I felt like I had nothing to share, nothing to offer that was different than what was already out there, even though so many clients and friends and supporters told me there was room for my voice. So I escaped into excuses that I was too busy, too overwhelmed, not ready for the tech involved. I just didn't want to deal with it. But here's the thing. We can either be uncomfortable pursuing our dreams 
or uncomfortable because we are not pursuing our dreams. They both have a degree of discomfort. So which flavor of discomfort would you prefer? Personally, I choose the kind where I'm at least going for it, where I'm not feeling ahead of time and quitting. And for me, the discomfort of wondering what if is way worse than the types of discomforts that arise when I experience self-doubt or when I experience you know, that imposter syndrome, which is just a set of thoughts, not truth. And the thing is, this keeps happening whenever I set the next big goal. The same shit comes up again and again each time I level up. But now I know that this is what happens, right? This is our brain protecting us from uncomfortable emotions like embarrassment, or even what it thinks might end up in humiliation, from rejection, all those uncomfortable feels, right? In the end, we are afraid of an emotion. Yet when we give up big dreams for this, wanting to avoid an emotion, isn't that wild? Especially in light of the fact that an emotion is temporary and never lasts forever and neurochemically lasts for about like 90 seconds when we don't feed it more thoughts to keep it going. But someone fed us some BS that if we are pursuing the right dream, the right passion, the right career, living our truth, that it'll be easy and we'll be shitting rainbows. I can speak from personal experience about this because while I'm not a millionaire yet, I have shared a room with millionaires and their shit still stinks. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's human. Some people say, I don't want to work. I just want to sit around and be taken care of. I've certainly had moments like that. But I remember when I was a climbing guide and would have like three months totally off. I mean, this was before cell phones or email. I was literally off. No one could call me or get in touch with me or stress me out. No work. I got bored after about month two and people would say, oh, you're just overly ambitious. But I think we all have this sense that we have a dharma, something meaningful that we have to contribute to the world, our duty, and it feels good. And we have a sense of pride when we fulfill our dharma. And even more so when we've done it after working through all of the BS and all of this discomfort. For me, being an entrepreneur has been a truly spiritual experience. It's one of the reasons I stay in the game, even though it takes a lot more managing of my mind than when I'm an employee, right? Even a well-paid employee. It expands my comfort zone and it feels freaking amazing to get to the other end of that. I try to remember this when I sense I'm hesitating to write down a big goal. Do you write down your goals? Because if not, it might be cool to ask yourself, is it because it brings up imposter syndrome and fear because sometimes we hide from our goals because we want to hide from that. So remind yourself that this is a very human experience, totally natural, actually. It's supposed to feel like a challenge. It's supposed to feel like self-doubt. Nothing is going wrong here when doubt comes up. It means you're at your edge and this rebel is often a very, very good thing because now we can do the work to continue to evolve into the person we want to show up as in the world. We can bring our dharma to the world. 
It's also really important to remember that including imposter syndrome and self-doubt is a choice. So when doubt arises, we should question that as well. You know, we can use Byron Katie's four questions, right? The first two, is it true that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about? Can I absolutely know it's true that I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing? We have to do this very intentionally because it feels very real, very true when we're experiencing the doubt. And it feels like it's something that happens to us, like some truth we're realizing, but really we're creating it with our minds, right? So we set a goal and then our brain goes, oh, hell no. What are you thinking? Who do you think you are? There's no way you're capable of that. This expansion is very uncomfortable for the brain because it's an efficiency machine and wants to stay with the current plan. Anything different is dangerous in its mind because there's a lot of unknowns. So even if current reality kind of sucks, the brain prefers that over something with unknown. So it says, hell no. Again, very human, very normal, nothing wrong here. Helpful in a cave, not helpful with big life dreams. And our potential, what is possible, is really only limited by the self-doubt. This applies to any expansion, whether creating more abundance with money, a stronger body, healthier, more loving relationships, spiritual progress. Most people set goals for themselves or don't even get as far as setting them or thinking about them and give up when the first hint of self-doubt or imposter syndrome creeps in. And I want to say here that it makes sense we doubt ourselves, not just from an evolutionary perspective where our brain's trying to be efficient and keep us safe, but also in that when we think of the culture many of us grew up in, it told us that we were not good enough as is that we needed more, needed to be more, have more, buy more, know more, study more, and that all those things were outside of us, right? A patriarchal system inherently does this to people socialized as women, and a consumerist system inherently does this to everyone. (laughs) And a part of this looking outside of ourselves for completion is the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome. But listen, while the structural aspects of these systems exist, Imposter syndrome, the emotional experience of it is a group of thoughts and beliefs that we at first absorbed like a sponge, somewhat unconsciously, but now we have a choice. We have a choice about our thoughts, about what we think we are capable of. I mean, what is capacity anyway, right? I think we are only limited by our ability or willingness to take massive action, to keep taking action until we get our result. It's like the dating example you may have heard me use that I got from Brooke Castillo. So let's say you're dating and you're getting really discouraged about finding your life partner, if that's your thing. And you say, Anna, I've been on 10 dates already and they all sucked. Like I'm really trying here. And the idea of 10 more makes you want to vomit, right? And what if I said to you, after 100 dates, you will find your person. You'd be like, well, shit, all right, let's get me on some dates then. Here we go. And you'd go on a bunch of dates and at like date 88, that sucked. You'd be like, oh my gosh, only 12 more to go because we believe it will happen. And the thing is, we can choose to feel that way about anything we do as we are taking action after action after action towards our goal by believing it 
is as good as done. It is inevitable. This is what makes us unstoppable. It's as good as done. Self-doubt creeps in. Imposter syndrome peaks its head up. Manage it. Next, right? Think about learning to walk. How many times you fell on your ass. Then as an adult, we try to learn to snowboard and we're like, oh, that hurt. I fell like five times. I must not be cut out for this. Or if I don't sell out my program, I must not be meant to do this. If no one publishes my book, I shouldn't write. So this can show up not just as you aren't as good as they think you are type of talk of imposter syndrome. It can also show up as there's no one who will pay you to work for them. There are no more good lovers out there. All the affordable properties already sold and you'll never be able to afford to buy your own. So this is sneaky because it looks like we're doubting the universe, but we are doubting our ability to continue to take action until we get the result we want. So how can we identify if it's self-doubt or not? So if there's another person out there that can do what you want or have what you want, then you are experiencing self-doubt. That's how you know. And our thoughts and opinions of what stands between us and the result we want to create is what determines the intensity of our self-doubt that we have. And this is what I meant by trying in the recent episode, I think it was episode 86, when we think about a goal, like I want to be able to pay off my credit card debt. And we think of all the things we need to do that and the challenges or obstacles. And we think, okay, not eating out as often, creating a budget, sticking to the budget, choosing to invest in ourselves in a way that will bring a good return on investment, not spending money on things as much as experiences and things that will support a change in my relationship with money, you know, or like, Um, I need to actually regularly look at our bank account and avoiding looking at the bank account contributes to this debt. All of that, right? And so then sometimes we'll think, okay, I'll try not to eat out more. I'll try to not buy more clothes that I don't need. And this trying tells me your opinion of those challenges is that they are more powerful than you. But that is a belief. It's a thought, not a fact. But that belief waters the seed of self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And we start to think, oh, I'm just not meant to have abundance. I'm never going to change our family's money pattern. Who am I to think my money story should be any different? But if you're thinking, yes, that obstacle might happen and I will still make good choices and not give up. I will use the skills I learn on this podcast or in Freedom School or the Adventure Mastermind, and I will manage my mind and emotions and actions. That waters the seed of commitment and leads to results. Another thing that plays a role here is constraint. Because look, the reality is we have more options now than ever, right? And so we make a decision about a goal, a career, whatever. And then because we don't, quote unquote, have to commit because there's so many options out there, self-doubt creeps in. Well, I don't know if I'm meant to do this. or I don't know if this will be worth it. I don't know if I'm good enough to pull this off. Look, the reality is if we had to do this, if there was no other option, we'd go all in. We'd go for it. No questions, no distractions. It's a luxury to doubt and keep doubting. I never questioned whether I should go to college or not right? Never bounce back and forth between what to do. I didn't have the option not to. Back then, it was the ticket, the only legal (laughs) ticket at least. 
and I had to get my family out of the violent neighborhood we were living in, right? So what if we stopped doubting and we just decided and went all in? I remember one of my business coaches, like so many people had niche drama and they couldn't decide like what area they wanted to focus on in their coaching business. So they'd want to keep switching it. And she'd say, no, you don't get to waffle. Don't change your mind for a year. Or I don't know, maybe she said too. I can't remember. But she was like, stop wasting energy and time and money on doubting and changing your mind. Decide, commit, no doubting anymore. Because it's natural for it to arise, but it's a distraction. So we can expect self-doubt to arise and say, oh, here you are, my friend. I was expecting you. We don't have to believe it, right? We can say, oh, what's up? Sit down. Let's have some tea like the Buddha did with Mara, right? One of my favorite stories of the Buddha is how the night before of his enlightenment, the Buddha fought this like huge battle with Mara, this like demon who attacked Siddhartha Gautama with everything they had, like lust, greed, anger, doubt. And they failed at this. So Mara left, right, on the morning of Buddha's enlightenment. So the story goes, yet Mara didn't give up, only temporarily discouraged, right? So even after the Buddha had become like this deeply revered teacher throughout India, Mara continues to kind of pop up in his life. So Ananda, the Buddha's attendant, was on the lookout for any harm that would come, right? And he would say, oh, the evil one had again returned. And instead of ignoring Mara or driving him away, it's said that, you know, Buddha would acknowledge their presence saying, oh, I see you, Mara, and then invite them for tea and serve them as like an honored guest, like giving them a cushion so they could sit comfortably and fill two cups of tea place them on this table between them. And then only then after Mara sat down, take his own seat. And then Mara would stay for a while and then go. But the Buddha remained free and undisturbed the whole time. So like this, when Mara visits us in the form of troubling emotions, like imposter syndrome and self-doubt, we can say, I see you, Mara, right? And recognize the reality of this kind of fear that lives in our very, very human hearts. And then by accepting this with some compassion, right, for that part of us that wants to keep us safe with the doubt and for that part of us that wants to overcome the doubt, we can offer Mara tea instead of pushing them away in fear. We have a kind of habit of being a kind of like fair weather friend to ourselves, right? Of pushing away or ignoring whatever shadows come up. But like Pema Chodron says, through spiritual practice, we are learning to make friends with ourselves, our life at the most profound level possible. So we can befriend ourselves when instead of resisting our experience, we open our hearts, Right? and willingly invite Mara to tea. So this poem by Rumi that I love. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. 
be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So we can sit Mara down, muster some self-compassion and kindness and say, and you see, I'm in charge here and it's all going to be okay. Ultimately, self-doubt is just a thought you're having about yourself. Imposter syndrome is a thought, not a fact. We cultivate ZG, radiant inner confidence, by choosing to believe thoughts where your opinion of yourself and your opinion of your doubts are strong and motivating and determined when you are committed to you and your goal. So here's a process I want you to consider when it comes to imposter syndrome, okay? First, we have mindfulness. We have to be aware of our thoughts and notice that we even have self-doubt arising, right? And this isn't as easy as it sounds because we often mistake the imposter syndrome thoughts and beliefs as facts and not as thoughts. We don't see them as just thoughts. So mindfulness is really key here. And you can practice this right now. Like I remember Brooke Castillo showed us this at a training one. She said, think about something you really want. Maybe a level of fitness you want. Maybe you want a kid. Maybe you want a a raise in your salary, um, some kind of ability you want to develop, a new lover, a bigger business. Think about what you want. And once you start daydreaming about it and thinking about having it, your brain will be all over it with self-doubt. And as the thoughts come up, remind yourself they are just thoughts and write them down so you can see them. Recognize it for what it is though, self-doubt thoughts. Then notice how you show up in the world with this thought. How do you feel? What do you do? How do you interact with people and your work? This is Byron Katie's third question in the work out of the four, right? Who are you when you believe this thought? Do you withdraw? Do you give up? Do you push people away? Do you hide? Do you get distracted and not take effective action? Do you buffer with over drinking or overeating? Do you procrastinate? And then we can ask her fourth question. Who would I be without those thoughts? Free, happy, joyous, light, fun, confident, relaxed, peaceful. Then we remind ourselves, we can decide if we want to continue to think this thought or let it go and choose another one that better serves us because it is all a choice. Thoughts are not facts. Even if it doesn't feel like it, thoughts and beliefs are always choices. You have to decide if you want to attach to and believe those thoughts. And don't think, duh, of course I don't want to believe that. Those thoughts are awful. I would choose a different one, right? Or why would I want to believe I can't do it or that I'm not meant to succeed? you still have to take the step of deciding you don't want to believe it so you can show your brain and yourself this is a choice. Then you need to ask yourself, what do I want to believe? What do I want to believe about myself and my capacity? What do you want to think about your goals and dreams and passions? What are you going to choose to focus on? What are you going to choose to tell your mind to think about? Because every challenge, Every challenge in your life is going to be an opportunity to doubt yourself or evolve yourself. Do you want to evolve into the next best version of yourself? Do you want to continuously do that? I do. For me, that's one of the great purposes of being alive. And we can keep asking it until the day we die. 
because it's a continuous process and never ends. And to me, that's exciting and fun. A lot of people give up on change and evolving as they get older, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. It's so important to grok this because ZG, radiant inner confidence, inspires action. And the more action we do in the world, the more we leave our unique gift to our people and to the world. And we each need to do that. So rebel, can we agree that the next time we feel imposter syndrome, that it's just a sign that we are living on our growth edge and that this is exciting and that nothing has gone wrong? That's what I remind myself of when it arises, right? And remember, the bigger your goals, the bigger that self-doubt is going to be. And that's okay because you're in charge of your mind. The only thing keeping you between what you want and what you have now is the belief that you can't have it, that you can't do it. Self-doubt, imposter syndrome. It's always going to be there. So the real question is, are you going to get better at managing your mind so you can stop playing small and hiding your dreams so you can hide your doubt? I'm hoping, Rebel, that your answer is a hell yes, because you have a gift to bring to this world and no one else can do it. No one. And you are absolutely capable of doing this. Just like a caterpillar is absolutely capable of morphing into a freaking butterfly and doesn't even question it. This incredible feat of like dissolving and coming back together doesn't even question it. You are absolutely capable of manifesting the life you were meant to live because you're you. And that's what you were born to do, what you were born to be. Okay? Choose to believe in yourself. And hey, I just want to remind you, if you're remotely curious about the Adventure Mastermind, you should head over to AdventureMastermind.com and apply because life is too short. You know what I'm saying? And we've just got three spots left. So if not now, when, Rebel? Because we don't know if we'll ever get later or mañana. So be sure to apply and snag the bonus one-on-one calls with me that are going away soon. And let's do this. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.